This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Knicks fans, how are you? It is your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I am, of course, joined by my co-host, without whom I could uh, not do this, and I mean that, Jeremy. Jeremy Cohen, can I just say for a moment, it, it is, I was thinking about this the other day, um, like, we decided to do these Sunday pods that you you at home here on Monday. It's kind of like, yeah, sure, what the hell? We'll do we'll it started to become a thing. I don't know what I would do if I did not have you to rely on every week to talk to. So, um Jeremy Cohen, welcome and uh also thank you. <laughs> well, what uh John, what you're not saying is that so much of the material that we have, you'll send me like, "Hey, here's what we've got." And my job is so easy cuz I just have to say this is great. Let's do this. So it's <laughs> a lot. Like that. Yeah. And then we could just have, a, you know, a great deal of banter and it's awesome. So uh, give yourself proper credit because you <laughs> you're the engine here and it's so oh, easy. my job because of you. So so thank I, you. I'm sure people are, are uh, loving hearing us uh, wax poetic about each other. Get a room. Yeah. Especially when, as we as we noted before we started recording um, that unlike, well, I don't know. Almost every I don't know. There's been there's been some weeks where we've had actual things to talk about, like real stuff. But um, is it fair to say that this this has been the biggest week for the Knicks? Um, I guess since Rose was hired, right? Yeah, I would say so. Or yeah. if if anything, because the rumors of him coming to coming into office or around the trade deadline. Yeah, sure, that's probably good. say the trade deadline. But yeah, I mean, this is like very this is the most tangible pieces of information that we've gotten with this week, just within the last three months. So happily yeah, eager to take it. Yeah, great. no, exactly. Um, and so just to give you a little um, menu, uh, so to speak, we're going to save the West stuff till the end. We have um, – <laughs> We have a fun thing that we're going to do there. There's been a lot of a lot of takes on uh, the hiring of World Wide West this week. We are going to go through um, all of the ones, at least that I've seen, and uh, do, I guess, hot take, cold take, or uh, lukewarm take. Uh, yeah, medium, moderate, Me- medium, moderate. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's like a hard boiled, soft boiled, or medium boiled. I like medium boiled eggs actually. A little, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, we're going to save that to the end. Um, and we're also going to get to the uh, Alonzo Trier, uh, Theo Pinson stuff. But first, um, I know, you know, myself and Chris Eisman had a chance to talk about the 
um, Leon Rose. <laughs> I'm just thinking you when we when you mentioned it to me before we started recording, you called it a press conference, Mr. Cohen. That was no. Pre- I've seen a press conference. I misspoke. That was no <laughs> press conference. But but here's the thing, and I've been thinking about this because I know that there were some beat writers who spoke about this on Twitter. Honestly, based on the questions that Mike Breen and the MSG staff asked uh, asked Leon Rose, I'm very curious as to what else would have been asked that they were so desperate to ask the questions about. Like, Because to me, it basically would have been like this, right? Berman would have asked some question that we know that Leon Rose can never ask or never answer. But hey, if you don't ask, you'll never know for sure. Yeah. And then there would have been, you know, some more nuanced questions about the about the coaching search. Maybe you would have had a situation like what we saw last fall where you get some guy who just asks about ice baths and <laughs> gets their thoughts on something completely random. Who knows? But yeah. I, I just – yeah, it wasn't a press conference obviously, but I don't know. It just didn't feel like it was that different from anything else that would have occurred. The questions seemed good. No, I, I thought they were – I mean the only thing obviously is I think he would have gotten some stuff about – um, after the, after the Knicks initially didn't make a statement and then after they did, and there was some reporting about that, some Knicks players weren't happy. Did you speak to the Knicks players about the situation? And if so, what did they say? That would have been the question. Sure. But other than that, was there anything that was really missing? No, I agree with you. There wasn't really a whole lot. Um, Especially just when you consider the fact that since the entire, I guess you could say PR gate, um, the Knicks have – and this isn't excusing that obviously, but the Knicks have done a lot they, in terms of their actions. Uh, the symposium, the – this obviously gold, not all of this is directed standard. towards the Black, Life Move, the Black Lives Matter movement. Fantastic but, um, Reggie Bullock speaking with Rebecca Harlow on LGBTQ plus and everything um, with his sister and, and her her death, um, donating meals. There's There's been obviously a, a great response to it. So And, and uh, wait, can we just say – I mean we're going to get to it later. They hired a, a black man as the executive vice president of the team. Yeah. That's not, I mean, look, it's, say what you want about World Wide West. He, that's, isn't that what we are advocating for? For people to, uh, of, well, basically anybody other than white people, but especially black people to get um, positions of power in the NBA and elsewhere. So, And look at the head coaching search. Look how many diverse, look how diversified that candidate pool is. 100%. Now, of course, it doesn't matter. If they hire someone who's white, then you know it's great that they interviewed those candidates. But the point is, they're they're still in a league where so much of this PR is just that it's PR. The fact that they're going the distance to actually talk with candidates, it's it's just a sign of good faith. So huh. it's been it's it's been nice to see all of that. Did you? Um, I mean, I'll let you say whatever you want about about the the special or the half an hour, whatever you want to call it. Um, were were you surprised by anything? that he said, or were you pretty much like, yeah, it is what it is. I would say that the two things that really caught my ear, the first was, it sounds like Scott Perry's really only here for a year. The second, why do you say that, that? Well, you know, I was trying to figure this out because in on one hand you could say, well, he's only signed for con- under contract for another year. Yeah. So of course he's only going to say one year, but there was something about the language where I thought, you know, if you saw this as a more prosperous relationship, why wouldn't you just say working with Scott and leave it open ended? So, oh, did I mean, he say what did he, he say for one year? Oh, I, I, I honestly went right over my head. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess a side note is, and this I you could probably say oh, you're just overthinking it, but I, and I, it's very possible I am, but I thought it was fascinating how 
he said, right now we have, and then listed the five young players. Again, it's like, <laughs> well, are you saying that's what we have presently? Is that um, a sign of things to come? Is it that someone's going to get moved? Is it that we're just naturally going to add more because of the draft pick? We'll obviously see. Uh, side note to that side note, thought the way that he described Dennis Smith Jr. was hilarious. Um, but the second special thing, talent. Yeah, that's a special talent right there. I wish, <laughs> I wish you could have seen my wife's face when I showed her the clip. It was well, just. I yeah. feel like it's like you you look at a group of kindergartners and you you pan to the kid that's eating glue. And it's like that's a that's a special talent right there. Just something along <laughs> those lines where it's like yeah you know he's like there's a it's a promising child but maybe <sighs> the kid who's eating glue shouldn't be considered that. As a, as a special education teacher, I'm going to gracefully bow out of this conversation. <laughs> Fair. It's because I want to keep my job. Um, the the second point <laughs> is I get the sense. And he, he even said himself, uh, Leon, that he needs to take a better – get a better understanding of this year's draft. Yeah. Um, and, ho- and hone in a little bit more and lean on his guys. But I thought that was I, honest, by the way. I like totally. that. Totally. Yeah. It absolutely was. But my interpretation was that much like a lot of people who follow the draft closely, much, so, much more so than I do, it seems like it's a very top-heavy draft. And the Knicks are going to try to focus on that, on that top. And they're really not going to care that much about the players below because it seems like it's very much of a crapshoot. I mean, the draft always a crapshoot. Yeah, um, but maybe well, this year in particular. So, I mean, if we look, we we have many more months to read way too much into what they're going to do um, in regards to the draft. But you know, lest anyone think the possibility of them tr- if they don't get one of the top picks because he's you know, in, in case you didn't hear it. He said uh, there are what, – what were the exact words he used? A couple of um, – he, he basically said there were a couple of players that were better than everybody else in his eyes or in the in, in the Knicks' eyes. And I believe um, he said there was a lot of equality. Equal, equality with different skill sets. Lest anyone think that, that their pick will not be on the table for anyone who wants to overpay for it, think again. And to that point, I texted – I was texting Spencer earlier in the week and I was like, I would be absolutely shocked if the Knicks – Use all three picks and on players that they intended to be in the rotation next year. I just can't for the life of me see that happening. Whether, I agree. You know, whether that means they trade, you know, one pick, two picks, whatever, do a draft and stash, you know, package for whatever. Who knows? Um, it also, just from a positional standpoint, I thought the Harper move was fascinating in that. It feels to me like – I know we just made fun of him a moment ago, but it, it kind of feels like the writing is on the wall for Dennis Smith Jr. Because, yes, Harper is a restricted free agent. Yeah. Um, the thing is that it's so easy to – to I mean he's only costing a cap hold because he's on a two-way salary. So his cap hold is the minimum salary, which is incredibly cheap for someone, especially if you don't intend to pay him that much anyway. But it seems like – if you feel like you're going to keep him because sure, you could probably resign him, especially to another two way deal because of how he's under three years of um, service. It still just felt like, okay, well, if you're bringing another point guard in and you've got Dennis with junior and you're looking to maybe get some salary off your books and you've got a much cheaper option if you go with Harper and there's just not enough minutes to be played. And you know that Dennis with junior needs those minutes and some team can give them to him. Mm-hmm. And if it's not you, then it just it feels like a very seamless transition to another um, third string, I guess, maybe second string, depending on on 
how DSJ was playing at times. Um, point guard. Um, <laughs> so t- t- two things. One, um, I, I didn't mention the other night, but I do want to say a um, bit of a cock tease MSG because as he was talking about the players, there was a highlight that started with Damian Dotson. And I was like, ah, is he going to mention Dotson? And then it was Dotson like passing it to, I don't know who the hell it was, <laughs> RJ or something. And Dotson was not mentioned. Uh, free dot forever. Um, two, I completely agree with you. Listen, did we really need them to pick up Jared Harper to know that the writing was on the wall for Dennis Wood Jr.? I mean, look, we've been talking about it for since when? October? Um, November? I don't, you know, it, it's it seems like he's had one foot out the door for a while. This is good. So we'll transition now to the um, Trier um, Pinson conversation. This is how psychotic I am. I was up at 630 in the morning because I can't sleep anymore. um, Looking at deals that Theo Pinson's salary makes possible that would not have been possible without his salary. And I was like, huh, Dennis Smith Jr. Making um, 5.7, almost $7 million next year. I'm like, if you throw in Pinson, what does that get there? I'm looking around, I'm like, ah, Marvin Bagley. Obviously, the Kings are not going to trade fucking Bagley for Smith and Pinson, but like, I don't know. Smith, Pinson, and um, the, you know, the da- one of the Dallas picks on like a future sec. I don't know. So uh, this is what I was up and doing at 6.30 this morning. How do you <laughs> like them apples? Seriously. We've, we've all been there. I've done that just on the reverse. Usually like 2 a.m. Just looking through salaries to see what matches and what doesn't. Yeah. Well, let, got, let me so, let me ask you. Is Pin, let, well, let's let's open the Pinson discussion with this. Is it a bigger deal to you that they traded for Theo Pinson or is it a bigger deal to you that they traded for Theo Pinson's salary? It's the salary, 100%. I okay. think that it is interesting, though, because the two players that they've now decided to bring into the building are better playmakers. And we, we know that Alonzo Trier was not that. He was not a great playmaker. He was not a good defender. But the thing with Pinson is it is that salary. It's purely the fact that – look, I, we all know that, that I love Brock Aller. I'm Brock Hard for Aller. For Aller. <laughs> Wait I love a the minute. Guy. Hold on. That, it, you did not drop that before just now. Where did, did that come from? I, I'm, I came up with it. It's Brock Hard for Brock Aller. Have Anyways. you dropped that on Twitter? Is this the debut of Brock Hard for Aller? Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Wow, I'm honored. I gotta say, man, thank you. This is yeah, no problem. Makes my no problem. Effort. Sorry, <laughs> I was sorry. I was just taking it back. Continue, please. So, and I've seen rightfully so credit for for what's going on, but lest we forget, I don't see this as a Brock Aller move. I see this as a Scott Perry move because he did the exact same thing last year with John Jenkins. Billy Garrett and Henry Ellenson were these, these team options where we knew these guys were not likely to be on the team and they were kept purely for trade scenarios, maybe something bigger, maybe something on the smaller side, whatever it might be. I think that nothing ultimately happens with Pinson, but it's enough wiggle room where if you have the extra salary to match, great. That's that's perfect. You know, I mean, because on the court, he's not going to get much time. At all. I mean, it would be in the G League. It's, and and uh, granted, I did not spend a lot of time watching the Nets. And I think if you watch the Nets, you probably didn't get a lot of time watching Theo Pinson either. But from the time that we have seen of him, obviously his numbers are very bad. He, he can do some can play. I, 
Can I jump in there for a second? Sure, go right ahead. He was so Pinson. For those of you who don't know, he's listed as a shooting guard, but he, like you said, Jeremy, he he brings a little bit more playmaking than your average. He, I, but at the same time, I don't know that he brings quite enough playmaking to call him a true combo guard. Um, he's like a couple of hair short of a Langston Galloway. If you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, he was his shot profile is like you know. Um, Daryl Morey's dream. He was like 80% um, either behind the, or 80 something percent either behind the line or, or at the rim. He was our, his percentages. Forget about his percentage behind the line this year, which was like 19%. He shot something like 40% at the rim. He got to the rim in a, you know, I'm serious. He got to the rim. I'm going to, I'll have it in the newsletter later in this week. He got to the rim in an obscene amount. And the other thing I was doing this morning, again, because I'm deranged, is I was watching clip after clip of him. Every one of his, not every one of his field goal attempts this year, but a lot of his field goal attempts this year. I'm like, like attempt after attempt. It's just drive after drive after drive and just shot after shot, just like rims out off the backboard. This, that, like could not buy a bucket this year. But a talented kid, he just and last, and the funny thing is, as a rookie, he was like obscenely good at the rim. It's I, I, yeah, I'll write about it more this week. But yeah, he's um he's an interesting player. How mad are you going to be when you exhaust all this time writing about Theo Pinson for him to not suit up for the Knicks once? L- uh, listen, that's my own insanity. No, it's it's I, admirable that you're doing it. It just it feels like uh it feels like a delayed Johnny O'Brien. Like we know that this guy is probably. DOA, but hey, you know, his salary could be worth more. So that's that, that's why I look at it as much more of just the cost of doing business and trying to grease the wheels on a trade as opposed to actually liking him. Because here's the other thing. I mean, the Knicks don't need to worry about their salary cap, right? We don't even know what the salary cap is, but the cap space is in such a great position that they could afford to have him on the side with that $1.7 million option. It's it's nice that the thing is it's just like but why do you need that because you can get a similar caliber player for half the cost or around there on the minimum salary. So what I like about it is this it gives them a few different windows because you have the initial window which is let's put it they're going to do whatever they're going to do with the OTAs or off you know uh, uh, maybe even some televised games for the eight teams that are not going to Orlando. You're going to get a chance to look at him for free and all the while be have your ear to the ground as far as possible trades that you could make with other teams. So you get to look at him and possibly throw him into trades. Then you get to October 17th and you get to decide like, all right, do we want to keep him? Do we not want to keep him? And then if you keep him, he becomes a nice little trade trip after you guarantee his his salary for next year. So I, I it's a it's a nice to your point that you know Perry did this a year ago. It's a nice versatile trade chip. That said, I'm interested in him and maybe as a transition to the Trier part of the discussion. I think it's interesting that they got a guy who was you know, I don't want to call him the soul of the Nets because I don't watch the Nets enough to know who their soul was, but like you know, I, I read the um, don't get mad at me, Nick fans, but I, I did read something put out by Nets Daily because it was about Theo Pinson. Um, like they when they when they when he got cut from Brooklyn, somebody from that site wrote um, a whole long piece about how, you know, his dance routines were like, you know, it, it really 
was the thing that was like at the heart of Nets culture. Um, you know, that might be a little bit too much waxing poetic, but it's interesting that that's the guy they picked up, whereas the guy they let go, and I want to actually read you um, something from Steve Popper's column this morning. I don't, did, you, did you catch his Newsday column? I did not. Please so go right ahead. I'll read it right now. Um, Trier had talent. He scored 15 points in his first NBA game, had a career-high 31 points later that rookie season. But he also drew critiques from talent evaluators for a lackadaisical defensive effort, yes, an unwillingness to play his role on offense, yes, and even an attitude some in the organization found grating. The ISO nickname was one he embraced at first, then tried to shed, and now will carry somewhere else. Um, so consider what Rose said. He saw it during his time as an agent when looking for a client, and then he quoted um, Rose saying that he looks uh, beyond just talent. He looks for character. Um, I, you know, is it a coincidence? Maybe. I don't think so. Um, I think it was maybe a little purposeful that Trier was the guy to go out in in the way to in Pinson coming in. What are you What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, the thing that we haven't discussed, the 4.5 million elephant in the room. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> is the fact that he had a qualifying offer coming his way, which. Do you want to explain we, real quick what, what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So every restricted free agent has a qualifying offer that's extended to them. and Well, it can be extended. To right. them. If you don't have to. If you yeah. don't extend it, you make them an unrestricted free agent. But, you know, I mean, KP had this. It was worth about $7 million. But then what happens is that they likely decline the qualifying offer, making them a restricted free agent and then eligible to make a lot more. So in KP's case, well, no, wait he, a minute. He was, Hold on. You can't. I thought you. If a team tenders a qualifying offer to you, they as long as that is out there, they hold your restricted free agent rights. You can't just go sign with another team. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I, I misunderstood then what you said. OK. Yeah. So. So just for KP as an example, because he's more recent, he had a qualifying offer of about $7 million, but I think it was even shortened because he didn't play much for that third year. And he didn't play at all for his third year. So basically the offer is extended, and then the restricted free agent can reject that, which would then make him a restricted free agent officially. His cap hold, at least KP's in that case, was $17 million, but he's eligible to sign for 25% of the salary cap, which I guess in this – most recent case was like $27 million a year, the starting point, 28. So for the the danger is that they could accept that qualifying officer, they being qualified, excuse me, that qualifying offer. Um, the danger being that they then have a no trade clause for an entire season and they're on the books. So someone like Trier, he could have hypothetically said, oh, you're offering me $4.5 million offer. Yeah, I'm going to take that. And, you know, I can say I don't want to go anywhere or I could say I want to go to that team, trade me there, you know, or the Knicks could have just cut him, but it would have been complete dead money at that point. So by not offering the qualifying offer, um, it was smart because there was the risk that he could always take it. Even if it felt like the relationship between the Knicks and, and Zoe was going to end, there was still that possibility that that Zoe could have said, no, I want to stay because that's $4.5 million. That's a lot I of money. I want to take it. I think he would have taken that money and ran. 100%. Um, and I think more – actually, let me rephrase that. I don't think he was ever going to get a chance to take that money because I don't think the Knicks would have offered it. I think the Knicks would have um, essentially 
what is it called? Just relinquishing their rights, right? They would have rescinded it. Rescinded, and then thank you. At that um, point, it's it's like, okay, well, let's just cut to the chase. Which here. is essentially what they did now, except instead of rescinding his rights and not getting anything for it, they rescinded his rights and got a nice trade chip, which that's really what this was about. Right. And the one thing I want to say as well, and I've seen this from Knicks fans. I know that there are some passionate Zo fans possibly even listening to this. Um, the one thing that I understand is the idea of I can't believe that the Knicks just let him go. Um, well, first, yes, there is the Theo Pinson contract that came in there. It, it could ultimately lead to nothing. That's totally valid. I think the bigger point, though, is there's the other option, which is that if the Knicks had found a willing trade partner and traded Zoe, then what are they really winding up with? Maybe a mid to late second round pick? Yes, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's great to have assets, especially for a guy who you don't see being in your future moving forward. But then I think you come up to a situation where the Knicks are then using this pick. They get a player that's less talented than Zoe. They weren't going to sign Zoe anyway. And yes, it's like we got something, but if that player isn't really an asset, then it's it's basically equivalent to what you're doing right now. So I don't, I don't find it to be a huge deal. Yes. Would have loved something else, but just just cutting Zoe for nothing, it's not it's not really a big deal to me. It's they they didn't screw up. This is my argument. You could agree with it or disagree with it. This was not the screw up. The screw up, if anything, and I was gonna say the screw up was in putting the team together the way that it was put together a year ago, which essentially the minute all of those pieces were put in place, all those everybody was signed last summer, um, and you had Nilakina, you had Dennis Smith Jr. on the roster, you had RJ Barrett on the boss on the roster, and you knew he was going to have to play um, a lot of shooting guard because of the size you had or the amount of players you had, excuse me, <clears throat> at the four, which again pushed everybody down a position um, or or I guess up a position, whatever, um, made them play big. The writing was always on the wall. The Trier was never going to get time this year. That's just a fact. Um, and they, like, the minute that his season started off the way it did, which was started the first game, played six and a half minutes, got some good time in the next two, and then there was some DMPs and then a couple more and then more DMPs. It was just, like, that's when the asset was lost because – a hundred thousand. I'm not reporting this, but I could say with confidence that if anybody offered anything remotely of value for him at the trade deadline, they would have traded. Like that's not a question. Yeah. So, you know, and it should should it be a surprise that nobody traded for him? No, because what would you have been trading for if you were a playoff team? Did you really like? What playoff team thought that he was going to be a part of their playoff rotation? As I don't know if you saw this, Jeremy, but as we went to air, um, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that um, what do you call it? Justin Anderson mm-hmm. signed with the Nets. Um, I now Wilson Chandler is not playing. I, I off the top of my head, I don't know if they have another roster spot. Maybe they still pick up Alonzo Trier. Who knows? But like. You know, it's interesting that that's a team that a lot of people have said, maybe he goes there. Well, they had a chance to get him and they didn't get him right now, at least. Um, And that's because he's a, you know, he's a funny fit. Like, it's tough to be a Lou. I'm stealing from my column tomorrow, but it's tough to be a Lou Williams type without Lou Williams offensive game. And there's very few Lou Williams 
you know, in terms of the ability to to be that good to make up for the other stuff that you don't do. And Trier, like, yeah, he had some real talent. And I wish we got to see a year of them investing in that talent a little bit more or a lot more. They didn't, you know, let's move on. I mean, I, I don't really know what else there is to say about it. Um, I'd say the one thing is this to me always felt like it felt less like found money and more like the cost of doing business to add one more reason to why Kevin Durant, you should sign with us. It was the cost of doing business in a lot of ways. And, you know, if he doesn't get picked up, I think a big reason is because of his salary, because again, the Knicks rewarded Zoe with a nice contract. They didn't have to, but he was going to run out of service time with those 45 days as a, as a two-way player. And then they cut Baker and signed him to a larger contract. And as a result, it, it led to this because they thought, all right, so he'll have this option, but uh, it's not a big deal because of the fact that we're going to get Kevin Durant. And of course it didn't happen. So I think if he clears waivers, there's a chance that he could sign with a team after that. But yeah, if the nets aren't necessarily gunning for him, I mean, they could always sign him next season. Of course it's, It'll just be very fascinating to see where he lands and what role he has. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll be interested to see it. I just, I don't know who's rushing to pay him um, four and a half million dollars to be on their team next year in the economic climate. With with the economic climate being as uncertain as it is, as we've talked about for um, months on end now. Um, all right, I think that's enough. Unless there's anything else we we missed on Pinson Trier. It, it's, I mean, look, it's I, it's a. It's the smart move. It was the move they had to do. Um, Want to talk about uh, Mr. Worldwide? Let's do it. Um, Dale. <laughs> 305. I, 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 I just want you to keep quoting um, God. Oh, my God. I forget. What's, his, what's the actual guy's name? Pit- Pitbull. There you go. Yeah. Pitbull. Um, I used to listen to – because my – my mom occasionally leaves her her car at my house, and she has a much nicer car than me. It has uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, which Pitbull has a station on. I don't know if you know this. And it's just, it's like, I want to talk about my type of music to a T. It's just like, you know, what I imagine they, they play at like 2 a.m. at, you know, Palladium or whatever. Is Palladium still a nightclub? I think it, it was a nightclub. Is it it might nightclub? be. I'm in Miami. Oh, I I'm, thought it was like in Jersey or something. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not sure. I don't I don't get to Jersey that often. I just I re- in this Jersey, is, but this is all from listening. Do you ever listen to KTU? We're we're really going off the rails. Here. I do. Yeah. Okay. So like they advertise like on commercials, like you know, this Saturday at Palladium. I I assume gotcha. it's around here. I'm looking it up right now. Anyway, while I'm looking up Palladium nightclub, you want to give us before we do our our take game, um, your, you know. I don't know, big takeaway or whatever from them hiring World Wide West? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we we knew this was happening. We didn't know maybe to the degree of what his title is or was, is I guess in this case. But to me, it really just felt like uh, it was almost like two people who are in a relationship who have been engaged and have kids and have just been together for years and they finally decided to get married. They put a ring on it. And the the uh, um, officiality of it all made it feel all the more special. And there was something about it that just kind of reverberates around everything else going on because we knew, again, that he was going to be working in some capacity. And I thought that the best role for him would be 
working as a liaison who isn't employed by Leon Rose or MSG because that way he could go about and do things without it being considered tampering. Um, but the fact that he's on the payroll leads me to believe, number one, they could still do that. Uh, it would be against the rules, but, you know, who? okay. So can it's we, a slap on. Can we reference whatever. the Woj tweet from the other day? Did you catch that? Um, It was... Oh God, I wish I I retweeted it and I forgot, but it was basically Woj openly making a joke about tamper about how tam- tampering happens all the time, and it's I oh God, I forget what it was. I'll try to go find it. Um, but like to your point that you just made, like, do you really think this is going to re- restrict him from doing any blessed thing that he wants to do behind the scenes? Like no. re- realistically. Probably not. And I think that he also could have spent time now. I mean, you could say, well, that's a long time for him, and it is. But there's no reason to think he couldn't have laid down some sort of foundation and then came on to this job. I, I do think that it is a factor potentially. I guess I, – I don't know. I'm at the point where I'm not sure if a lot of him coming on now is just convenient timing or if it has to deal with the PR fiasco. It could have just been – it, they needed more time to do things. It could have been, hey, it was going to happen eventually. Let's do it now. I'm I'm really not sure. What are your thoughts? Um. By the way, I God talk about old Palladium apparently closed down in 1998 in New York City. She- <laughs> am I am I really living in a world that hasn't been here for two decades? Is that possible? I don't know. That's impressive. That if you're hearing. Wow. Okay. Well, if you're still stuck in 1998, get ready for a really exciting year of Knicks basketball. I mean, I am still stuck years in, of shit. in the late 90s because that's the last time I think I could convince myself that I was cool. <laughs> um, so, what? you know, why would I want to leave that time? Um, being old sucks. Anyway, um, I can't find the Woj tweet. I, I don't personally think – let me rephrase that. I think it's a big fucking deal that he is officially on board because it's one thing for everybody to know that he's, you know, or for everybody to assume he's helping the Knicks from behind the scenes. It's another thing for him to put his name on it officially. That's just me because I think symbolically, um, I think symbolically it carries a lot of weight, especially when you consider the fact that like, and I've done as much reading, I I can't even call it research because there's not a whole lot out there on him, but like everything I've seen and read, this idea that it's like Rose is on top and then like Wes is under him. No, no, no. That's not the way it goes. It's the other way around. Like, Wes is the guy with the power. Wes is the guy with the clout. Wes is the guy who commands attention and respect. I mean, you know, it's been written that Wes is the one who made Leon Rose Leon Rose. So for Wes to now put his name on this organization, like, man, I I think it's an even bigger deal than some than most people are making out, out to be. And maybe I'm stepping on our hot take game, but like, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a big deal. And I'm happy he did it. I don't 
I don't care what the drawbacks are. And I agree. Yes. Will there be drawbacks? Sure. But I don't care about them myself. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. I looked at the Woj tweet, by the way, and it was what deleted. Did say? No, it's gone. He deleted it, was, it? I don't see it as I'm looking through. I hit command F. Oh, you're, and now you're going to make me really have to. I may I may have to follow up with this in a newsletter because I don't um, I don't know if I'm going to have time to to find it now. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying in terms of the extension because Leon Rose has to work on building the team properly, and he can't do that without the work that Worldwide West is doing. So if Wes isn't able to get those guys in, you know, if that's in the free agent sense then it has ramifications for how Rose and the rest build the team. Because again, and this is something that we'll probably get into more, but I look at this, it's like you're seeing everything in slow motion because you can so easily say, all right, well, Leon Rose is here, CAA. Wes, we knew he was here before, he's here officially now. It feels like there's you're one step closer to Tom Thibodeau. And if that's the case, you're not going to have this organic rebuild until Tom Thibodeau is of the age where you can start collecting social security. And you don't bring these big guys in to do this sort of slower rebuild where you keep a lot of the kids. You don't bring in Brock Aller to just sit and collect salary dumps and have nothing really occur until you then, you know, try to give some other guys an extension. You, you operate like a small market team. But no. did this change your thinking on any of that? The, no, the, it, it, if West? anything, it only, it only strengthens my thoughts before, which is that I still don't see, and I'm sure we'll go into the game in a moment, but I, I still view this as a more nuanced way compared to the last front office of saying, we still prioritize stars that are in their prime that are available to us. The only difference here is that we're going to do a better job drafting and making some smaller adjustments and maybe a trade, maybe other things. We're going to operate other avenues, but we are still going to have the same or similar primary focus. Well, two things. One, I found the Woj tweet here. He said, free agent negotiations will start at 6 p.m. on October 18th per sources, parentheses, not a minute sooner, or that would be tampering. Oh, that. Course. Oh, I yeah. Mean, the the West one where he announced. Okay. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I I wasn't clear. So yeah. Again, t- tampering. We are you are our friend. Um. Secondly, I don't know if you if you caught it. Um. On the I when I interviewed Will Leach from uh I don't know the the, the weeks are running together. Whenever I interviewed him, he couldn't speak about it too much. But he has a piece coming out on Kevin Durant. And unless I misheard him and I, I did not go back and listen to my own podcast, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure he said Durant wanted to come to the Knicks. Um, and he couldn't slash didn't because and and like I don't know if Will actually said it in as many words, but it was pretty clear what he was implying. He could not trust that the people running this team at the time knew what the fuck they were doing. And you know, all due respect to the to the Perry truthers who are, you know, all about him being, you know, God's gift to, to GMing and, um, you know, everybody who's still and I was one of them. I defended the Porzingis trade. You did, too. I, you know, in retrospect, I, I don't know how we anyway, like. I don't blame Kevin Durant for not thinking that the people run the organization like couldn't get out of their own way. And the idea that this group 
Rose, Wes, Perrin, um, Walt Perrin, uh, Zan, and all of them, Aller, are going to go forward with the notion that they're going to make this a destination franchise. Like, I'm not sure I blame them. That doesn't mean they should ignore drafting and development, but can't you, like, what's to say you can't have your cake and eat it too here? Is that, you know what I'm, yeah, that's the thing. And there's the thing about KD as well with not trusting. It's essentially there was chum in the water because there were concerns about Porzingis, the exact same thing of not trusting um, Steve Mills. So if you're able, let's look at it this way, right? We can say we're going to throw out the whole free agency saviors and we can throw that out the window as much as we want. The fact of the matter is that the people who are in charge are not going to do that. This is not going to be built. This team is not going to be built. Like your standard small market team where you you develop through the draft and then you or you, you you do well in the draft and you develop solidly and you get your guys and you hope for the best. Maybe you make a big trade at once. It's not going to happen. But and this I is don't not see saying, them doing – We're not saying go trade RJ Barrett tomorrow or go trade Mitchell Robinson tomorrow. I just want to make that clear. That's not what you're saying. They will Correct. prioritize their high pedigree young talent. But to your point, that's not all it's going to be about. I think that the one key thing here is that where the Knicks screwed up the last time with the Mello deal is that they traded for Mello. You can make an argument that he shouldn't have been the guy. And you can also say that, well, he could have been, but you needed a second, a, a, num- a better second banana. And I think that those are both valid statements. But the thing that the Knicks did was they basically did what a lot of fans are saying is let's trade for a Devin Booker type. And then you're saying, OK, well, who do we bring in next? And that's not the order you should be going about. And yes, there are several different ways to rebuild teams or to to amass talent like free agents. I mean, we saw both L.A. markets and Brooklyn do both L.A. teams and Brooklyn do completely different things. And it worked out for all of them. But the thing here is going all in uh, and trading prospects and picks for one player and then hoping to draw other players. That's just not, in my opinion, a very accurate way of how to build a contender. We're gonna, and I think they know that. We're going to have months to talk about the different permutations of the the line of thinking that you just went about. And I, all I will say before we move on to our, our game, which I am very eagerly anticipating, is this. I do not think that they would make the type of trade you're uh, insinuating with the hope of then somebody coming and signing to complete the, the, the full picture. Um, I think it would be done with the knowledge that, and I think that's why you go get worldwide West and to anyone who's like, well, they tried that once when they traded Porzingis because they thought they knew that KD and, and Kyrie listen, with all due respect to Steve Mills and Scott Perry, and I, I don't I don't want this to come off how it's gonna come off, but like get fucking real. Those guys didn't know shit from shit. And it's clear that they didn't know shit from shit because guess what? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing in Brooklyn. So I mean no, I mean look, I, I don't know no, how to say it. I, I'm I, I'm laughing because you're right. I'm so you know, I'm sorry to be to be uh curt or whatever you want to call it. Let's play our game because I'm I'm excited about this. So what here's the game. Um we have five takes. Uh, these are takes that we've, I think we've, someone has actually made, had these takes at some point, um, whether it be in the last week or at some point 
over the last few months, but yeah, they've all been, I think, said in some form or fashion over the last week. We're going to go through, is each one a hot take? Which my definition of a hot take is a take that's like way out there, but it's one that you're like, you're happy. At, like it's, it's, a, it's a cool take. It's, it's a good take, but it's out there. Is that fair? Is that, am I, do I have that correct? I've always thought of it like, wow, that's a hot take as in that's just bold. And if it's a cold take, it's, you know, that was a, that's a terrible take or it's just bound to not work out. And then a good take is like, wow, that's a great take. You know what I mean? Okay. So maybe we should actually switch it up on the fly. It should be hot take, cold take, good take, meh take. Sure. Okay. Lukewarm. Lukewarm, meh. Okay. Um, according to dictionary.com, a hot take is a piece of commentary typically produced quickly. I didn't know that was part of it. In response to a recent event whose primary purpose is to attract attention. Oh, okay. Well, then, in a nutshell. there you go. Okay. Um, our first take, uh, do, should I start or do you want to start? Uh, please go right ahead. Okay. The first take, the Knicks will alienate certain, I can't even say this with straight face. The Knicks will alienate certain players because they hired um, all people from one agency. We'll, we're calling this the Rashid Wallace take. Um, I don't know exactly what the definition of a cold take is, but I know this is a cold take because this is a stupid fucking take. Um, I don't even know what else to say about this. Uh, Jeremy, what, what else can we say about Rashid Wallace's opinion from this week? You know when you touch something that's so cold it's actually hot? <laughs> That's this take. No, I mean, she, come on, man. Look, for anyone who thinks that the Knicks are just going to focus on CAA clients, and I'm happy to eat crow if this is the case, but these guys, Leon Rose, World Wide West, they have divested from the company. They don't make any financial gains by signing someone from CAA. They get the respect. They're already getting paid an obscene amount. I mean, less than they would if they were still a CAA, but they're getting paid a lot to build a team, not to continue being a factory for CAA. Um, so I think it's cold. Very cold. So you, you just kind of bordered on our second take because this take I think is more like Sheed's take to me is more like people won't sign with you because they, I don't even, I don't even know how he made this with a straight face I, because the way I read it or heard it, I guess, was that like it you're not extending like goodwill to the entire basketball community because all your people are from one place as if their former lives as CAA agents I I don't know made them lesser than in the eyes of the greater basketball whatever it's a it's a cold take but the next take take number 2 is the Knicks will become a dumping ground for CAA clients um I think this is a See, here's the thing. I can't say it's a cold take. And the reason I can't say it's a cold take is because the idea that they can, like, let me just, can I just posit a theory to you? Not a theory. Can I posit a, a, a scenario to you? Theo Pinson, right? They just signed Theo Pinson. Theo Pinson's a CAA client, or they just picked him up off waivers. He's a CAA client. No doubt Leon Rose has met Theo Pinson. Worldwide West has met Theo Pinson. If they met Theo Pinson two years ago, and over the last two years, they have come to believe that he is 
the greatest teammate in the history of USA team sports. And merely his touching the practice facility will so uplift those around him that he will be worth the price of his contract and, you know, 10 times more than that. Um, Let's say they believe that. How do you, like, completely divest yourself from that, I don't know, emotional knowledge, maybe? is uh, um, That's probably not the right term. But, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I can't, they can't take the part of themselves that worked at CAA and just, like, vanquish it. You know what I mean? I do. How they separate business from pleasure is going to be a challenge. But here's the other thing. We have to understand that CAA is is everywhere. I mean, so many players are with CAA that we are going to have this discussion several times. Was you know was Theo Pinson essentially a way to grease the wheels with CAA so that maybe the Knicks could trade Randall? Was it a way to grease the wheels to get someone like Danilo Gallinari into the building? Was it just coincidental because CAA is everywhere? Maybe it's a combination of all three. Maybe. It's just one of them. The point is that there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on CAA, and rightfully so. But to go back to what I was saying before, yes, they're they're they worked there. They're friend. They have friends and former colleagues there. But it's ultimately, to me, going to be just about building this team the right way. And sure, I mean, if it's a fifteenth man and you're taking a bite, I mean, he's a, and the difference is he's a CAA client or not. I get it. But Jared Harper, not a CAA client. So it's that's the thing. It's like I feel like whenever the Knicks are going to sign a CAA client, it's going to be, oh, well, that's CAA. And I'm guilty of that, too. I just did that earlier this week with when they announced Pinson. But then it's also like, OK, well, the times that they don't, it's just going to be, yeah, that's operating like a normal team should. So um, it can be somewhat of a damned if I do, damned if I don't situation. Um. Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm thinking of it more from like the perspective. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I, I'm just thinking of it like, you know, let's me as a teacher, right? Let's say I'm choosing to give like some award and um, I'm choosing between four sections of kids and I'm looking at, you know, four different candidates, one from each section, right? And I taught the kid in my, in one section from like, but I didn't teach the three kids from the other three sections. And I'm looking at my kids' grades. And they're slightly lower maybe than some of the other kids or um, whatever a criteria you want to use. Let's pretend we're using grades. I don't know what type of award this is, but let's say I know that that kid like had a tough home life and had a two hour commute each way and had this and that. And I'm like, well, you know, but if I didn't have that knowledge, I'd be picking the kid just with the, with the best, with the best stats, right? So to speak. And um, that's more, I guess what I'm thinking about, which it's like in a vacuum, more information is always good. So, but it's just, it takes, it takes a lot of responsibility and maturity. And like, it's almost like puts it on them to do that much extra research on the guys that they don't have the background knowledge in. And they, I'm sure they will, but that's, yeah. So that's, that's my only, so I guess this is like a meh take. Um, Let's move on because we're um, we're, we've been now that we have stuff to talk about. We talked for a while. Um, (laughs) So this is the Jay Williams take. Wes uh, William Wesley was the best free agent signing in Knicks history. 
Um, I think it's a hot take, but I'm, I don't know if I disagree with it because I was trying to think about this. Who is the best free agent signing in next history? Is it, is it Tyson Chandler? Um, if we're forgetting for a moment that Pablo Prigioni exists, then I would say it's <laughs> Tyson Chandler, maybe Amare, but I'm, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. It is a scorching hot take. But I can get with it because if you look back at the Knicks and their history and free agents, it it makes a lot of sense. It really does. And, and this is someone where the beauty of it, because the Knicks have had better talent signed as free agents, but they haven't been. It wasn't at that time, right? Like guys were past their prime, like Tracy McGrady, but well past his time is in his prime. So, yeah, I guess the thing with Wes is he's a healthy, I would assume, individual where it's it's not a big deal. So you can have his you can have him working for an extended period of time, whereas the window for a player is much shorter. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to say red hot, but on the money. <laughs> red hot but on the money. That's I like that. Um okay, so yeah, go go Jay. Um okay, take number four. The Knicks are going all in on relationships and punting draft develop Raptors-esque team building philosophies. So obviously you brought this up before. We both think that they are, you know, trying to leverage their clout um, and specifically Wes's clout around the league to, um, you know, make the, make the Knicks a destination again. Um, I guess the more interesting thing here is like, does that necessarily mean that they are going to punt on the other part? Um, for me, this is a somewhere between a meh take and a good take because I just – I think if they were going to do it Raptors style – and I, I don't mean to say like the Raptors the only team that does this, but like to me, they're the gold standard at this point. So that's why I use them. Um, like I ju- it takes a lot of patience and I – yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that we're going to get that level of patience here. So that's my analysis of that take. I would say it's lukewarm because the one thing that I have a hang up on is the word punting because I think it's going to be a situation where the Knicks are going to try to have their cake and eat it too and I I don't see how they can fail. I mean, yes, there are many ways you could see how it could blow up in their faces, of course, but maybe it's just uh, maybe it just feels like a change that's more superficial but to me it's it's more of a foundational with how Leon Rose and Wes are going to take the team versus what it was before I think they are going to use this year as a way to develop and get guys and put some sort of foundation in place for you know like with Tibbs right you want to be able to see how players could fit into these roles. That's That was so key for the Nets because with Kyrie, it was like, all right, well, you're just going to fill in for the D'Angelo Russell role. And with KD, you're Kevin Durant, so we can, we can do a, a multitude of things with you. So with this, I could see them trying to basically put the pieces in place and then say to future stars, hey – this is what we would do, and it's you're not beholden to that, but this is how these players have thrived before. Um, we can make you do that, or if they didn't, they could say, this is what we did wrong. This is what we would do right for you. Yeah, I think that's... So, so lukewarm, but again, I, I think it's um, 
I just don't think it's punting. I think it's it's trying to do both. I think we're going to get our answer to this question. If Kevin Knox is still here a year from now, we're that'll be that to me will say a lot because he is like at this point we know what he's not. I I, I think uh, and I'm still a believer in Kevin Knox. I still think he's he has a lot. He hasn't even scratched the surface. But I also think that like he's you know there, there's a limit to what he's ever going to be. And are is that a guy they're going to keep around and be like? Because in my mind, if they are going more the route that we think they're going to go, either they cut bait by this year's trade deadline, or maybe even sooner for all we know, or um, they keep um, takes the year progresses over the course of the year. And then they look at that as a sell high opportunity and include him as a, you know, a, a, a nice piece in a trade, for instance. So, and if they don't do either of those things, then, Hey, I'll be very impressed. Um, and pleasantly surprised. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see. All right. Last take. And this is the big one. I'm going to can I let you go first on this? Yeah, that's fine. The Knicks will land a superstar because World Wide West is here. What does this take to you? Before I answer that, I just want to know what your definition of a superstar is. It's a good question. Um, uh, hmm. So can I amend the can I amend the take? Sure. <laughs> because I was I was going to say like to me Donovan Mitchell qualifies and like Devin Booker qualifies, but like are either of those guys superstars? Probably not. But it's almost like uh god, how do you it's like you know it when you see it. Um I tend to define superstars as like there's this upper echelon of players who are year after year at an MVP level play, you know, like you're, I wouldn't say Donovan Mitchell's a superstar. I would say he's very firmly a star. I would say that probably the, the best worst superstar might be someone like Paul George. I, that's, it depends. Are there like what? Five superstars in the league at any given time, six, seven, it's tiered in the sense that you've all, you're always going to have like is Jimmy those, Butler a superstar. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I used to think Jimmy Butler was more of a star and he kind of catapulted himself into that. But yes, there's, there's this range of players. It's almost tiered. That's, that's a different situation, right? Like you've got your LeBrons and KDs and Stephs, at least when they were all healthy. And then you've got maybe James Harden could be in that group, but then Russell Westbrook at some point has to fall into place and he's not going to be fifth in that pecking order or really anywhere close to it. So it's, it's tough for me to differentiate. So how about this? Can we say that if the, will the Knicks get a player who is top 10 in the game at that point? Like they're getting a player who's top 10 at that moment. How about, no, how about, can we, I want to, let's, let's do this. Will they get a player while Wes is here who reasonable minds feel will be a top 10 has a good chance a better than 50 50 chance to be a top 10 player 
at some point in their career. How about that? Can we do that? Sure. Okay. Yes. So if that is our definition, the Knicks will land a superstar because Wes is here. Is that a hot take? Is it a cold take? Is it a met take? Or is it just a good take? I'm going to say it is a hot take, but similar to the Jay Williams, it's more, it's like a lukewarm hot take. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> it makes, it does, you know what? It actually does make sense. So here's, here's the way I look at it. Uh, we can see this team right now and we could say it's pretty much just a clean slate for the most part, but there's some crap that needs to get dug out and then you're maybe talking about a different thing. I know that Knicks fans also are tired of hearing about saviors. I know we, we talked about that recently. I know also that Popper said that the Knicks view Jason Kidd with Giannis and people turn their noses up uh. at that. And I have to be honest, I don't think it's all just, you know, Knicks for clicks. I think that there is a kernel of truth there. I think that as a result, the Knicks could say, and I've talked about this before, that it's a very different situation when you're looking at it and it's like, okay, well, how can we get multiple guys into the room versus let's just target one guy? Because it's this package deal and you're trying to do this. Like it feels crazy and that's why people don't suggest it because we want our expectations to be lower because – it's egg on our face and it's fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me three times, shame on all of us. But with this, it's just like there are so many avenues and there are enough assets where you could convert them into something where you could still create room to have two free agents that are really, really good. And you could still trade a lot of your core for a third star and have enough money left over to get, you know, an um, an RJ type player, to have that RJ type player. Or maybe it's a LaMelo type player. Who knows? But it's the, the way that I see it working is that Leon and Wes, they know what works and what doesn't. And they've seen the ability where you get two top 10 players on the same team and you're going to go really far. And if you can give other players that option and say, look, this is a situation we're presenting to you where you could play with another incredibly talented player and you could play here and we have the assets and the cash and the availability to get a third player around you, possibly even another guy, because again, the salary cap would permit it. So that's the way I look at it, where I don't necessarily see the Knicks having that one star. I think it's either going to be two to three guys or it's going to be zero within the next three years um i think it's a good take um i don't even know that i think it's a hot take um i just like what do you what do you think he's coming here to do that's it's is like it there's there was there's a ton of guys in basketball that they could have hired like Troy Troy Weaver, right? Troy Weaver got hired this week to be the GM of the of the Pistons. Um, you want to go out and uh, become, you know, uh, respected kind of grassroots whatever terminology you want to use basketball organization. You, you go hire a Troy Weaver. Um, they didn't go hire Troy Weaver. They they hired fucking. Well, they hired the guy. I mean, Jay-Z ain't dropping Troy Weaver's name in a Drake song. <laughs> like I, you know, and, and look, I don't, I don't mean I'm, I have been the one. And I, 
it's tough because people get on my back for being like, you're, you know, where's your conviction? You used to be the one to be like, can we, like, I was the one who was jumping up and down when they hired Leon Rose to begin with because I, I didn't, I hated the fact that we never got a chance to, to go after Ujiri or to a lesser extent, Presti. And in my heart of hearts, and I, I think you feel this way too, although I'm, I'm not really as sure. Do I want to just have a regular sustainable basketball organization that, you know, that emulates the Raptors or the Jazz or the Spurs or the whatever? Yeah, of course I do. Because then I would just rest easy. I don't have to worry about anything because it's just a sound organization. That that would make my life and my and my heart palpitations just I, I would I would you know my drinking would lessen. Um all of the things that you want for a healthy lifestyle. That's not ever going to happen. It was never going to happen. It's not ever going to happen. I am choosing to embrace what we have. And what we have is if you're going to go get a guy who's going to try to be the opposite of Steve Mills and Scott Perry, again, no offense against those guys, like this is the guy you go get. So, yes, do I think the Knicks are going to land a, 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 a guy of the caliber that we're talking about because Wes is here? Absolutely. I would actually be shocked. I would be utterly shocked if it does not happen in the next calendar year. Um, and that's not inside information. That's not like what I'm being told behind the scenes. That's just like, you know, that's just my opinion. And I know I talked about it the other day and like, how are they going to do it? I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to make sense, but I think it's going to happen. And I stand by that and I will continue to stand by that. So I'd like to just read this. Please. This is from William Wesley's Wikipedia page. Oh, good. Uh, here we go. John Calipari has been quoted as saying, Wes is a goodwill ambassador to our program. After Kentucky claimed the title over Kansas, Kentucky Wildcats star Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist climbed into the stands and shared a celebratory hug with Wesley, who was sitting in the Kentucky family section inside the Superdome. I feel like it's only fair that if we talk about superstars, we say someone, right? Because it's 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 just kind of a putting it out there and anyone can kind of spew shit and that's what we're doing. But look, I just, I, I look at the situation in LA and I look at the fact that LeBron James ain't going to be playing at a high caliber level for the next five years, maybe another year or two, very possible, could be even three. But when it comes to evaluating your options and you see the fact that you have this idea of playing with a 38, 39 year old LeBron Versus coming to a place that you know worldwide West, you're close with the agent who is close with John Calipari. It just makes sense to have him. And then you start trying to bring in another guy. And then you think about whether that's via free agency or trade or what. It just that in my mind is going to be the blueprint for 2021. It does not mean it will work. It does not mean that that is the only plan. I'm just saying that that to me. There's too much smoke here it's for it to not be that type of well, target. It's it, the, when we say smoke, we mean like again, by if you're if you're if this is the guy you're bringing into the organization, that he's the smoke, right? Yes, that's 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 what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, that you know, it's just ignore recent NBA history if you want, but like just. Take a second, go back and look at the all NBA teams from two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, and look at all those guys and then 
ask yourself, how many of these guys change teams in their prime? It's just, this is the age we live in. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some names, uh, I'm sure, um, over the coming months and maybe even getting, get nitty gritty in terms of like what we would give up, what we wouldn't give up. Um, but yeah, that's, I think we're, me, Jeremy, me and you were, are certainly on the same page. So, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see how it works out. Um, all right. We've gone a while. Um, Jeremy, is there anything you want to, uh, say, uh, before we get out of here? Um, yeah, just one thing really quickly. I, I don't mean to end it on a sour note, this podcast, but I do have to be honest that the final words from Elijah McLean have not left my head this week. I, I just, it, it's, if you aren't familiar um, with what occurred, I recommend searching it. It was, it happened last year, but it's the sort of thing where these issues obviously haven't gone away. <laughs> I know that we haven't talked about them nearly as much in the last month, but I guess just, um, I don't know, man, just, just donate if you can time or money, whatever it might be, stay active, pay attention. Um, it was just a, a really beautiful kid and it's such a shame what happened. So again, I'm sorry to end it on that note. I thought this is, this has been a fantastically fun pod uh, and it can still be that way, but yeah, just, uh, I just wanted to put that out there. No, I'm, I'm happy you did. Um, it's not, it's the best way to say this. Ending, ending something on a sour note entails being a downer for no reason. Um, and the, everything, the more we, you know, this is thinking about this stuff and raising awareness about this stuff and, um, and, Donating to causes, um, donating your time, donating your money, donating your your platform, donating whatever you have. Um, it there there is no more worthy cause, um, and it's been too long coming. And um, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but I I, I am uh, in the coming weeks um, going to try to pull off um, a fundraising effort. Um, in tied in with this podcast, and I'll have more information coming. Um, I'll have more information coming on that uh, soon. Um, I I think it it could be a cool, good thing that will be for that will help some nice a nice cause. Um, having to do with Black Lives Matter, obviously, because um, that's what we're talking about here. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you ending it on that note, and um. The only other thing I will say, um, just, just, I can't believe I need to say this. Um, please, please wear your mask <laughs> or just stay the fuck home. Keep staying home if you can. Um, I don't know if, how many people I have listening to this in, in states that are um, going through it again right now. Um, but just like our, our, our leadership, um, being just not um, prepared in any way uh, to deal with the situations at hand does not give us excuses as human beings to um, be ignorant. Uh, so let's all do our, our part. 
Uh, talk about ending on a downer. There you go. Um, Again, not a downer. Not a downer at all. Uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, for sharing your opinions and, and thoughts and insights as always. And uh, to everybody at home, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, we will be back with you with another episode. Um, uh, I have someone coming on at the beginning of the week that I'm very excited about, and he'll be giving some good information um, on some of the newest Knicks. Um, until then, we will talk to you soon. Good deal.